Welcome to In the Hot Seat with the Tenney Group. I'm Spencer Tenney. It's good to be with you. Founder and CEO of one of the hottest podcasts across supply chain, Let's Talk Supply Chain, Sarah Barnes-Humphrey. Welcome to the hot seat. I am so excited to be here, Spencer. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, I got to interview you back in September at the IANA conference, and we just had a great conversation. So I'm hoping to do the same today. Well, I, I think that you have some fascinating things going on, and I can't wait for our audience to learn more about it. So let's jump right in right there. So right now, currently, my team tells me that there's somewhere around 20,000 followers in terms of your current podcast, one of, you know, by far one of the largest audiences within the supply chain. Tell us about the genesis of you becoming a leading uh, voice within the supply chain. So we actually have just over 100,000 across our social media right now, um, followers. Majority of them are on LinkedIn, and that's where we have um, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> We've got a very, very engaged audience. And um, so how I started, I've been in logistics and supply chain for over 20 years. Um, my family business was a logistics company uh, just outside of Toronto. And so I kind of say that supply chain is in my blood because I've been talking about it at the dinner table since I was like nine years old or since I can remember anyways. Um, and I was in, I started off as reception. I was in operations for eight years, sales for eight years. And then I was director of sales and marketing. And this was back in 2016. And if anybody can think back to 2016 and the marketing <laughs> in supply chain, it was, you know, there was a bit to be desired. But anyways, um, so I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time. And I thought, well, hey, if Lewis Howes, and I don't know if you know who Lewis Howes is, but he's got a podcast called The School of Greatness, and it's really, really good. I thought, well, hey, if Lewis Howes can have a podcast, why can't Sarah Barnes Humphrey? And that's what I did. I asked a guy from my customs department to join me as a co-host, and tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> we called it Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. And, um, you know, we, we, we got some traction with that. Um, unfortunately, my dad closed his doors in the end of 2017, and I lost my co-host and my team. So I was out on my own, but had to keep it going. I started the Woman in Supply Chain series in January 2018, but by April 2018, no women would come on a show called Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. <laughs> so I rebranded it to Let's Talk Supply Chain, and the rest is kind of history. Now, uh, two, two babes in supply chain. Now, that, that's certainly attention-getting. I can see how that helped create a little momentum uh, from from the beginning. So um, the, the family business, I think that there's so many folks within our audience that kind of resonate with that and understanding your journey. So what are some things just before we kind of get into what you're doing right now, what are some of the things that you learn from family business and how has it influenced the way that you are building a, a new business in, in the same in the same arena? So there is a lot to learn when you work in a family business. There's a lot to learn about your family members. There's a lot to learn about the team members who work for the family business. And there's a lot to learn about yourself. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that you have to do on your own um, because, you know, if they're in a position of management or leadership and, you know, they have to make the hard decisions that you might not necessarily understand. 
you have to respect it. Your voice can't necessarily be heard. And, you know, it, it, it's just a very, very, very crazy dynamic. Um, I was fortunate enough to have leaders ahead of them. So um, I was able to really have my own journey. But when the hard decisions were made, you know, I had opinions, but I didn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily hurt. <laughs> um, and so that was a hard pill to swallow. And then you also have to figure out who you can trust and who you can't trust and who's talking to you for the right reasons and not talking to you for the right reasons. And, you know, and then it's, you know, I have to prove myself. So I'm working 12 hour days, you know, I'm doing five times more work than a lot of the other people because, you know, I just feel that, or you sometimes just feel that that's what you need to do. So it comes with a lot. Yes, it Definitely. does. Yeah, and I and, and I know something a little bit about family business, so I can resonate. I, I can connect uh, with, with some of that for for sure. So let me transition over to kind of where we are right now. Um, obviously, a very large audience. What, what are you observing, Sarah? What what does the outside world looking into s supply chain? What do they misunderstand most about <laughs> what we do? So that is a really, really great question. I've asked a couple of people what they know about supply chain recently that are outside of the industry. Um, and they pretty much have a good idea of what it is. I mean, you might have to expand on it to include sourcing and buying and raw materials and all that kind of stuff. But because of Amazon and because what we've talked about in the news over the last couple of years and all the shortages and things like that, people are getting a better understanding. Um, it's funny because I was on Instagram the other day and Michael Buble, um, he canceled his concert in Australia due to, and he said partly because of logistical and supply chain issues. And some of the comments uh, that people were making about the supply chain and logistics issues were kind of funny. There was a lot of controversy <laughs> that, you know, certain countries are monopolizing, you know, steamship lines and, and the vessels that are moving the goods. And that's why they can't get the goods to Australia to do this, this um, concert. And so that was really eye-opening, too, is the fact that we do have some fake news that are that's going on around logistics and supply chain that's making its way into the general population and they're making their own sort of assumptions that are a little bit wrong but that's okay <laughs> well on on a semi-related note my uh, my wife and i we went and saw michael buble uh, for our anniversary this last summer and Canadian. I would tell you, based on what I based on what I paid for those tickets for that moment, had that not happened, I would have been fired up on that uh, uh, LinkedIn thread or wherever that was coming from as well. So um, uh, I certainly understand the angst around that. So one of the things I really enjoy um, just learning about you from your website, and you talk about this obsession, like to to learn. Obviously, you 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 had access and you learned a lot while you were working in the family business. Tell us about this obsession. Like, where does that come from as far as the learning and then also, you know, sharing that that knowledge through your podcast? Where does that come from? What's the source? Um, I don't know if I can pinpoint it, point it necessarily to a source. I've always been fairly driven, fairly motivated. Um, in sports, you know, I've been playing uh, baseball for or softball for 35 years. Um, and was in rep, you know, during high school. And so I was always motivated. I was always driven. I think the obsession comes with the fact that I want to be able to try different things. I guess maybe I'm probably unsettled and not necessarily satisfied all the time. 
um, when it comes to what I'm doing because I think that there's just so much opportunity out there. When I was working in the family business, I did all of my courses by correspondence, but I did a variety of things. I did customs, I learned freight, like I did a freight forwarding course, I did a project management course, and then I ended up doing an international trade course and designation. And all the while, I also had side hustles because I also wanted to figure out who I was as an entrepreneur and where I wanted to be. Was it logistics and supply chain? Was it, you know, I was a business manager for a cosmetics company for a while. Was it cosmetics? Was it e-commerce? You know, was it retail e-commerce? I learned, and I, I, I'm very vocal about this because I think you don't know what you don't know unless you try. And so I really feel like unless we try different things, we really don't know what we're good at, what we like to do, what we absolutely do not want to do and don't like to do. Um, and so that also drives me is because there's things that I haven't experienced yet that I want to experience and see whether it's for me or not. Yeah. I think so it's all part of the journey, right? Well, well speaking of the, 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 the journey, um, you know, obviously you're going to conferences. We just talked offline about the keynote that you did at the, the Women in Trucking, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to that Women here. Women in Supply in, Chain. Women in Supply Chain. I'm sorry. Sorry. Okay. Um, so we're very excited about that. I'm curious, you know, considering that you interview a variety of different thought leaders across the supply chain, what are you noticing that are key issues that people should be talking about, but maybe they're not talking about as much as we should be talking about? Um, you know, I think some of them are, and, and I was looking at a survey just the other day that even 52% of supply chain leaders are um, knowing that they need a massive overhaul in their supply chain. I think people really need to be talking about what that, what that looks like. And if you're not talking about it, I mean, either you have a really, really great supply chain that wasn't affected by the pandemic, <laughs> um, or you're ignoring the fact. And I think that we need our supply chain leaders more than ever, logistics leaders, supply chain leaders, procurement leaders, to really be getting together and talking about what those major hall overhauls need to look like. Um, China is uh, losing manufacturing in a whole bunch of areas. Vietnam, Malaysia, Bangladesh are right on their heels in manufacturing. And it's because we haven't been able to source raw materials for specific products and we're still seeing shortages. Um, China also has a zero COVID policy and so factories are shutting down and that's affecting a lot of the flow of goods. I know right now here in Canada, we have a really, really horrible shortage of kids medicine. You know, and it's things like these that are now affecting our personal lives and our family lives that the supply chain professionals are now going, you know, not now, but they might have a little bit of a breather to really take a look at what they're doing and what needs to be changed. And I think, you know, leadership at the top level needs to really lean on their supply chain leaders. Um, and also they need to lean on data. They need to lean on technology. No longer can we make decisions from a gut feel, right? Which a lot of times in logistics and supply chain we have in the past, but we have the resources, we have the technology, we have the data to be able to make the decisions that we need to make that are gonna help us all be successful in the future, right? I talk about collaboration being the future of business. 
We need to bring in those partners. We need to have those conversations. We need to talk to our suppliers. We also need to be focused on supplier diversity and uh, diversity and inclusion in supply chain as well. That's how we are going to be innovative. That's how we're going to move forward. That's how we're going to come up with new ideas and, and ways to move forward. So I think there is a lot for supply chain leaders to think about at the moment. A lot of them have been firefighting or their teams have been firefighting and there's a lot of burnout in the industry. Um, but we want to keep good people. And so it's really up to um, the senior management levels uh, for us to be able to do that. So you, you mentioned on the tech side, and, and I've, I've you know seen some of your interviews. I'm curious, where, where do you see some of the uh, the technology or the uh, the sources of technology that you think are are, are empowering leaders to start making deci better decisions with better data? Who, who's sticking out to you or standing out to you that, that can help us kind of mature in this space? I think there are a lot of really good technology players. I think what it comes down to is where the company is willing to spend their risk dollars and what they want to work on first. There's a lot to work on. <laughs> There's a lot of re really great technology partners out there. And so what does that path look like? Do you need to clean up your data first? Right? Maybe you haven't cleaned up your data and you need some help with that. You know, you've got the classification guru that can help with that. Um, classifying your data before you even get into technology. Because at the end of the day, if tomato is spelled four different ways in your system, <laughs> the data is not cohesive and you won't be able to use it. Right? And so maybe that's where you are in your journey. Maybe you are focusing on last mile delivery and um, UPS and FedEx have just come down with these massive increases, but you haven't looked at your contracts in three years. There is technology out there like Sifted that is going to help you do that. And like their, their software, I just did two mini series with them. So I've done a complete deep, deep dive into what they're doing. Um, and they, they're, they're saying you don't have to do those increases. So why wouldn't you have that technology, right? Um, I think uh, another technology that I spoke to yesterday that's coming up on the podcast, they're talking about data-driven decisions um, that get better over time and actually help you execute. So there's technology out there that's actually going to say, if you do this a little bit faster, this is the result and the impact that you're going to get. Do you accept? You click accept. And then the process is sent to those that need to be that need to execute it. Like think about that. There's power in that kind of technology. And if you're at the data stage at the moment, you got a long way to go to get to, to using that that technology properly. But just know that there's companies within the industry <laughs> that are using that technology already. And so no, what's your time frame? What's your timeline? You know? That's a great call to action. Um and speaking of action, I think kind of where our worlds intersect a little bit is just really over the last 24 months, there's been so much reinvention specifically around first-time acquirers across mm -hmm. the supply chain, knowing that they're having to enhance their capabilities in some form or fashion. So like you said, there's lots of ways to do that, whether it could be through acquisition, it could be onboarding new technology, it could be by bringing new leader, like new fresh leadership to the table that, that mm -hmm. can bring some new ideas what are, I'm curious, uh, I don't know what vantage point you have, um, but I am curious, where, where do you see 
like the prioritization between the way that people look at, you know, you mentioned how do you start, like what do you start with? So like it could be acquisitions, it could be tech, it could be, you know, some sustainability or, or this um, diversity inclusion elements to, to, to bring different thought leadership. How do you see leaders that you talk to prioritizing, prioritizing these possible options? Yeah, I, you know, I think they need to collaborate internally. I think too many times we're not having the right conversations with the right people. So supply chain needs to talk to marketing. They need to talk to sales. They need to talk to, you know, inventory. They need to um, talk to, you know, bring everybody together and talk about what 2023 looks like. When are you having sales? Do you have the inventory to back up that sale? Or do we have to order now because you've decided to do a sale in March and we don't have enough in inventory and right now it's taking eight weeks. Or maybe it's taking 12 weeks. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we don't think about those things. Um, and so it's really important that we um, break down the walls of, you know, some of the silos that are happening within organization. I think that's really the first place. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you've got to have conversations as to where the biggest pain points are, I think, right? What do those biggest pain points look like? What is, what, what is something that you can push off maybe until June that's not as important as something else? And that comes down to how much time people are spending on a particular task, potentially. What are the processes? What are the things that we can automate easily? Maybe it's the low-hanging fruit you know, where you take the technology that you already have in place, but maybe you're not utilizing it to the 100% that you could be using it to. So let's figure out what we have right now and how we can maximize the opportunity of utilizing that, that particular technology. And then we look at potentially adding on, or then we realize it doesn't do this part, so we need to find a, a partner that can integrate potentially um, so we can build it and we can build on that tech stack. Maybe it's data, you know, maybe you do have four types of tomato in your, your data because people are using the wrong spelling that you people need. Are to go, people out. are going like this right now because they know that's true about their data right now. And, uh, and so, I know, um, I know, but think about it. Like you're, so somebody is so going to have to sift through all of that. <laughs> to get to what they need. And that's not good for anybody either. And so I think it's a team effort. I think it's a collaborative effort. Um, one of the resources is obviously the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast because we interview those companies. So we do a deep dive into who they are, what they do, whether you're the ideal client or not, and a real life example of how they helped a customer with the ROI and benefit. So before you even get into their sales funnel, you can listen to the episode and find out if you're a good fit and whether that's the company that you want to reach out to and start a dialogue with. No, Maybe that's a great, that's a great takeaway, tremendous resource to the industry. So thank you for that pointing that out. A couple more questions, Sarah. So um, I teased it. You were the keynote at the Women in Supply Chain Conference here recently in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe you might have been wearing the same T-shirt that you have right now. So, yep. so, so tell us about that. What, what is it about diversity in the supply chain? What does it mean to you? And why is it so important? Um, I mean, I've been in the industry for a very long time. So I've been to logistics conferences where I was one of three females in the room. 
you know, in my early 20s or late 20s, even, even into my early 30s. Um, and, you know, it's really important to be able to resonate and see people on industry stages that you can relate to. So too often we have the C-suite up there, but maybe in the audience you've got somebody who's on the front line or maybe a mid-level mid manager. And they want to see people like them. They want to hear from people like them. They want to know that they're not alone in their thinking and what they're going through. And that's a really, really big deal when it comes to leadership, when it comes to having people feel motivated in their job every single day. So I started out with the Woman in Supply Chain series. It wasn't necessarily about empowerment. It was just that I wanted to see who was out there and I wanted to learn more about them because I wasn't seeing women in the industry and learning from them, right? Um, and so that's how that got started. And then in January 2020, I was like, it's not just about gender. So I feel like I want to do more about it, but what do I do? And um, in 2020, I decided to start the Blended podcast, which is a second podcast. It's where I bring five different people from different walks of life together to talk about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. But it's not experts. It's people like you and I sharing authentic perspectives, um, sharing authentic stories. There are people that come on the episodes that are guests that actually don't know anything about the topic but they're, they're there to learn, they're there to listen, they're there to ask questions. And so um, we've been able to bring groups of people together in very difficult topics where at the end of the episode, they're thanking each other and they feel heard for that day, right? And I think that's what's really important in diversity. And then around you know seeing more diversity on industry stages we then took it one step further <laughs> and started a nonprofit called the blended pledge and now we're giving away grants to cover travel expenses so that diverse voices can say yes to speaking engagements now that's really important because conference organizers don't have enough you know travel budget to pay for everybody to go and sometimes those entrepreneurs or those diverse voices aren't getting backed by a company or have to decide between paying their employee or paying travel to go and speak in an event that's going to give them opportunity, right? And so we want to eradicate that. So we are now giving away grants to cover that travel so that they can say yes and we can see more of ourselves on industry stages. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Um, and what a great initiative. I'm just really uh, inspired by that. Um, so let, let me just ask you this, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up here. Within all the disruption, um, I'm sure with your experience in this space, there's always tremendous opportunity. And, and so like as you look forward over the next couple of years, what do you think um, – I mean maybe what's something that you are extremely excited about that you think will develop that will come out of some of these challenges right now? around the constraints within the, the supply chain and the need to mature? What, what do you think is going to happen that you're really excited about? I'm hoping to see more supplier diversity. Um, but I think that there's some work that needs to be done for us to get there. You know, contracts need to be reduced significantly. Payment terms need to be reduced <laughs> significantly. And so there's some work there that needs to be done. But I, I think that because of the shortages that we've seen, I think that's going to really bring more opportunity to suppliers globally. 
right? We're going to be able to um, source that those raw materials or finished goods from a variety of different places. And I think that's exciting because we are a global market. Um, and I think we do want to give opportunity to others and uh, different suppliers, diverse suppliers. Um, and I think it's an exciting time to be in supply chain. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all problem solvers. <laughs> we love trying to put the puzzle pieces together. And I don't really think we want that to end. Do we want the disruptions and challenges to sort of, you know, reduce? Absolutely, because we, I think we all need to take a deep breath and have a bit of a, a breather. Um, but I think it's really exciting for us to come up with innovative ways and really think about how we want that supply chain to look like in the future. And if something like the pandemic were to happen again, how are we setting ourselves up to be able to weather that storm? I love it. All right, last question. A little wild card, Sarah. You mentioned okay. that you're a lifetime ball player. Yeah. throwing people out at second base. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us uh tell us who on the Toronto Blue Jays cuz I believe you call Toronto home. Who on the Blue Jays? Am I going to get in trouble here? Well, I don't I don't know the Blue Jays very well, but we can try. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, let, let me back it up. Any baseball player in history that is a hero of yours that you love to just have just 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 to, like like the movie to feel the dreams, have a catch. Uh who who would be that ball player that you just love just throw the ball around with? There are so many. So I'll give you a bit of a story because I was just in Chicago. So we went to Wrigley Field and we did the uh, tour of Wrigley Field. And we were in the visitor's um, uh, clubhouse, I guess, or the room or whatever. And they talked about how that room has been there since like 1930-something. And so it's seen Jackie Robinson and Babe Ruth and like all the big names. And as I was standing there, thinking about that and thinking about the fact that I had I was standing in a room and I had got to stand on a field theoretically where they have played and I'll tell you <laughs> I was on the warning track at the field and everybody was so concerned with the ivy and I was like ivy whatever I was looking from from that point to the catcher and then I was looking at third base and I turned to my husband and I'm like you think I can make that throw and he's like, maybe. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can make that throw. And so in that moment, you know, I wanted that, I wanted that ball. I wanted to be able to just, you know, play on a field where some of those big names have, have played or stand in the clubhouse where they've stood. And so, you know, even if I was able to get a moment with any of those, you know, Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, I think, you know, I think it'd be amazing. I think that's I think that's pretty awesome, and so I hope for one day I look forward to that moment where I can see you gun somebody down at third base, maybe <laughs> at an industry, maybe an industry mixer, maybe that's something that's part of the agenda. I'm sure we can cook something up, but uh, in the meanwhile, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your time, for your knowledge, and your passion for this industry uh, with our audience. Just uh, just a, a great gift. I want to just encourage you keep up the great work. That's going to do it for us in the hot seat. We will see you next time.